Hello everyone, this is your host, Tiernan McCarthy-Kenny from Tiernan's Tea Time. We immediately dive into week three. I talk about the standout games, in my opinion, and break them down, give you my full take. We talk about overrated players in the NFL that I believe are talked too highly. Then we talk a little basketball, because I was dying for some basketball. We get into Giannis. And it's a little different than I'm sure you'd expect based on all the other media around Giannis lately. Um, I hope you enjoy. Before we go and dive right into it, I want to level with you. I recorded each segment on two different days, as I'm sure you know, based on the content I put out. The week three content I am recording right now at 12.45 a.m. And I just want to be honest with you guys. I am so tired right now so if i sound if the audio is a little draggy or i sound a little monotone and not as upbeat or whatever i am so tired right now with lack of sleep and just projects and doing a bunch of things all day and obviously right now i came home i was ready to go to sleep at like 9 30 and came home pretty much watched the almost the entire pittsburgh raiders game i i ended up stopping it because it was just hard to watch um and then prepping for the podcast and coming up with content editing things draft putting things in my drafts all this different stuff so i apologize if i do sound tired and maybe monotone or things like that i'm just i'm just dead so anyway i hope you guys enjoy Let's get right into it. All right, ladies and gentlemen, let's get into some week three action. So obviously week three has not fully concluded. Tonight, Monday night, we have two more games. Um, I just wanted to give you my take on some standouts for the entire week so far. And first, I want to start out with the Giants and 49ers. Um, This was a pitiful game to watch. It was a bad loss by the Giants. Um, I mean, everybody expected them to lose regardless, but still awful. Waller in the O-line had an awful night. Um, Waller really bit me in the ass excuse me again week one and now week three last week hit a pretty good week fantasy wise but of course three points and this guy is supposed to be the hot shot um seven targets three catches 20 total yards tons of drops some great passes that just went right through his hands it was exactly like tony from the chiefs in week one uh against the lions it was it was really bad um also when are we going to admit that Danny Zero Dimes is completely overrated? Completely overrated. He had a typical Danny game, 22 for 32, 137 yards, zero TDs, and one interception. Sacked twice. Now, that reminds me of a Zach Wilson stat line, okay? Zach Wilson is pretty much average about the same, except with less attempt passes because he just gets too complacent and obviously is too frightened. Um, but why are we putting him on this peg? Okay, we get it. I understand he has a, he has a lot more grit than Zach Wilson does, more guts, and he's shown a little bit more in big games and different things like that over the course of his career, bigger sample size. 
But over and over and over again, he uh, he plays like shit. And it doesn't help that his O-line is awful. Um, and his two, one of his two real targets, only targets are out. And then his real target isn't showing up either. But still, he isn't doing shit. Um, and now I'm, I'm officially calling him Danny, Danny Zero Dime. Because who the fuck is he diming to? Okay? Just never, nobody ever. Um, passing yards, New York, 150 yards. San Francisco had 441 yards. They just absolutely destroy them in all accounts. Rushing yards, uh, the Giants had 29 total yards. They had 29 total yards. Um, I thought this backup was supposed to be good. Uh, to San Francisco's 141 yards. Basically just McCaffrey. Um, average yards per play, the Giants had three. San Francisco had, San Francisco had six, excuse me, so they doubled it. Uh, and third down efficiency, the Giants had 25% to San Francisco's 56%, which is awful, okay? And if if it was a regular day, you'd assume that that was the worst of the day. And I assure you, you will be surprised. Um, this Giants team is just so bad man i just can't stress it enough and it's getting to the point where i don't even want to be associated with this team fantasy wise i don't want barkley and i definitely do not want waller and i especially do not want daniel jones aka danny zero dimes okay absolutely not they have zero weapons barkley's hurt again and Defense sucks, and other than that, they're just their well is dry, and they need to figure something out. Okay, that's all I have to say. General consensus. There we go. Okay, everybody get on the same page. Colts versus the Ravens. Very fun game. Went down to the wire. Um, obviously, for most, it was a low-scoring game, but it was a it was a great nail biter. Who doesn't like the nail biters? Um, it wasn't a very flashy game. Obviously, it's the Ravens who are like whatever, and the Colts who are like supposed to be terrible. Um, Colts ended up obviously pulling out in overtime with a deep field goal. The kicker was on one today. It was fantastic. And Zach Moss, oh my God. Absolute sleeper fantasy pickup. I picked him up in, I, I think, like half my fantasy teams this week. Um, What's up? And I actually got really nervous today. So today I was actually doing a painting project. I'm painting a lot of uh, rooms in my house. Doing a painting project, listening to fantasy podcasts. I'm just classic uh, Ruxin in the league, just tinkering with my lineup. Don't know what to do. Trying to make trades, all these different things before game time. And Zach Moss keeps popping up, popping up. Obviously because he had a big week last week. And I just kept getting like, I was getting nervous. I didn't know what, where I wanted to go with him. I just, I was like, okay, is he like a, a one-hit wonder kind of thing? Like, is he gonna really? Is he gonna? Is he gonna give me like two points after a twenty? And I'm expecting him to do all this stuff. And he pulled it out, man. He had 21 points and basically 30 carries, 122 rushing yards, three targets, two catches, 23 yards, and one touchdown. You would have thought he had six touchdowns. Um, every snap, this dude's like getting the ball. And I thought he's, like I said, I thought he's gonna be a one hit wonder, but he looks serious, dude. And with Moss playing at this level, 
What stops the Colts from trading Taylor right now? Trade him right now, baby. Zach Moss train all the fucking way. Let's do this. Choo-choo. Um, oh, my. I'm so hyped. I'm, I'm, I'm having a lot of running back issues right now, and he really saved my day. And I still lost. I probably, the, the, the Eagles defense needs to put up like 40 points for me to win right now in the, in the league I actually care about. But I don't know, man. He 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 helped me a lot. He helped my confidence. I'm happy. I'm happy. To have, welcome aboard, Zach Moss. I hope you see this. Um, Lamar also had a fantastic game. Game. I also traded him like two days ago. But I, for I did pick up Kirk Cousins, who also had almost equally a great game. I think Lamar had like a point or two more than him. Um, 22 for 31, 202 passing yards. 14 carries, 101 rushing yards, two TDs. So obviously, rushing wise, he really he really stood out. That's really what what uh what did it for him. Um, Broncos versus the Dolphins. Oh my heavens! If you haven't hopped on the Dolphins bandwagon or the Tua bandwagon, we are still accepting members. Um, I believe it was it was 70 to 10. I don't believe that's what it was. 70 to 10. Fucking college football numbers. God damn it. Um, I believe it was the highest scoring game since 1966. Um, and they only needed two more points to break the record. But Mike McDaniels, being the classy man that he is, decided to kneel instead of going for that field goal. So classy move, man. Hat tip to you. Tua, 23-26. to 26. Jeez. 309 yards, four TDs, zero interceptions. Now, on paper, you would 100% think that's the best game of the day quarterback wise and you're wrong we'll get into it later but devon rookie 18 carries 203 rushing yards two rushing tds four catches three receiving yards two receiving tds my god had 50 or no he had 49 fantasy points today nobody in my league had him i don't think anybody really had him um jesus jesus um, also broke the rookie franchise uh, rushing record, tied the, the Dolphins franchise mark for most TDs in a game, along with his teammate Raheem Mostert, which was, that's insane. Two teammates that are tying the franchise record for TDs um, at four. Nuts. Um, along with um, Mostert, too, along with 82 rushing yards and 60 receiving yards. Tyreek Hill had a Tyreek Hill game, of course. 11 targets, 9 catches, 157 yards, 1 TD. Fantastic. Um, and this was all with missing Waddle, too. And they still played with their food. Just had, This team is lethal. Too many weapons. And especially having people like this. There was three guys I had no idea the name of that all had TDs. And Devon was one of them. And this is a rookie, man. Putting up 200 rushing yards and 4 TDs. What the fuck? Um, too many weapons. Scary, real scary. Obviously, Denver's not that good, but you don't expect a 70-20 to 20 game at all. And Russell Wilson actually didn't play that bad. Um, hot take, I guess. Statistics-wise, he wasn't that bad, but I think eye test-wise, a lot of people had a problem with him. I couldn't watch this game. Um, it was out of the market. Um, quick rant on the, the football viewership. Because this is a rant I mentioned twice that I wanted to get into. And I just completely forgot to talk about it. But what the fuck is up with being able to watch football? 
YouTube TV fantasy ticket or whatever the fuck it's called is the only way to be able to watch 95% of the games. Even then, you still can't watch every single game. And it's $400. It is $400. And they try to make this deal like, oh, $50 off, all this different stuff. Uh, YouTube TV included, it's lower. And it's $300 for the ticket plus like almost 80 bucks for YouTube TV. And if you don't get that, it's $400 just to watch regular football, just for the season. Are you kidding me? Everything other than that is, which I have NFL Plus, which is a ripoff. It's $699, which is fantastic. But it sucks because you can't watch every game. And it's only limited to mobile devices. So you can only watch it on a phone or an iPad. Then everything else is just subscriptions and cable. But it's the same thing with subscriptions. You have to get CBS or a Fox or uh, Amazon Prime for Thursday Night Football. Or if you have cable, you can get some of these games. You still might need to get another thing to get all these other games. It's such a hassle. And it's so ridiculous. Um, I, I got the YouTube TV Sunday ticket for a week. I did the free trial because I and I just I was gonna pay the four hundred dollars and I was like, dude, I just can't get on board. I don't even care. I have to have like stupid money for me to not give a shit about that. That's you know you can buy with four hundred dollars. So much stuff that is like it just watching full like I don't know. I I'm not even gonna get into it. I can go on for an hour. It's insane and I think it's ridiculous and we need to make Something easier and more affordable. Who's paying four hundred dollars out of pocket for all that shit? Nobody, except Bill Simmons and people at the Ringer and uh, fantasy footballers. People who have money that do this for a living. People like me who are coming up that don't make money off this. Who obviously want to eventually make money off this. I watch all the games I can with obviously a life. I have a newborn and I haven't missed a podcast. I put out more podcasts than I was supposed to. Uh, I've been watching games. I watch games. And I'll stay up till 1 in the morning, even though I know I'm going to wake up three or four times uh, during the night now and get up at 8.30 to go to the gym. It's ridiculous. Life's insane. And why, why, why would you make people pay $400 for it? It's ridiculous. All right, ran over. Chargers versus the Vikings. Um, very disappointing game for the Vikings. Close game after close game after close game. Every game they've been within reach and couldn't capitalize. And obviously the Eagles game last week was a little farther than, I guess, a considered close game. Um, but the entire time they had momentum and you felt like it was within uh, their abilities to actually come back and win. Kirk, 32 for 50, 367 yards, three TDs and one interception. Um, and then Justin Jefferson with a typical almost Tyreek-like game 13 targets seven catches 149 yards one td and the real standout was good old justin herbert oh lord and what i said before about tua this is who i was talking about 40 for 47 405 yards three tds zero interceptions and this was so awesome because one obviously they pulled it out one by three points but after receiving a ton of of unnecessary doubt, he punched them in the face. He found the chin and knocked them out. Um, especially with a W without Eckler. 
in a phenomenal game in the process. I was so happy for him. Good for the Chargers. They're also having a rough start to the year. Great game. Patriots versus the Jets. Okay, now I'm going to talk about the Jets again. I'm oddly obsessed with the Jets this season. Probably sparked by the hard knocks, but to a degree, but who knows. I just thought I just feel like they have so much upside, the new additions, um, great defense, and I thought they were going to turn a corner this year. I really did, and I think a lot of people did. Um, and obviously with Rodgers first going down, tragedy, and absolutely their dream died 100%. My dream of theirs died. I really thought they were going to flip the script and become competitive, but Zach Wilson... Took an AR-15 and fucking bulldozed that shit. Um, officially destroyed. So, granted, the Patriots have a really solid defense. Pass rush is good. Cornerbacks absolutely shut down Garrett Wilson the entire game. Really defensive game on the Patriots. They actually held the Jets down to a 14% third down efficiency. Zach Wilson completely shut down, had less than 100 yards going in the second half, and nobody on the Jets even had over 50 yards in the entire game, rushing or passing, nobody. Um, remember I said to the last podcast, every time the camera looked to the side, cut to the side, Garrett Wilson was maybe explaining something to Wilson, to Zach Wilson? Well, this week it was the absolute same, but to the max in a and a lot more heated um, players and coaches this time. It was it was an absolute shit show. And until the fourth quarter, actually, where it felt like the Jets, Jets were actually gaining some momentum, um, I was hyped. It was very fun to watch and to be involved in, and the crowd started getting into it. They were booing Zach like, oh, my. I've never heard a crowd boo a player on their own team like Zach Wilson in the Jets today. It was insane. But, and Mac Jones really impressed me. Quick tangent. Mac Jones really impressed me today um, for every other part of the game. But he shit the bed on one of their last final drives. Drives, And this, this moment allowed Zach Wilson, of all people, to turn on the Jets and actually have a TD-filled drive. Um, this is what gave the crowd hope. And gave them, they were cheering after violently booing um, pretty much the entire game. Until their second to last drive where Wilson showed his true colors. Okay, this is the most important drive of his life. Okay, let me just break this down for you. Most important drive of his life. This drive had his career and his team's entire season on the line. You'd think, especially a pro player, obviously it's immense pressure. You would think that this is where somebody would dig so deep and make a statement to shut people up, right? And well, he made a statement, just not the one he intended. <laughs> Four plays, two total yards, total of 24 seconds, turnover on downs, game over. Game was in the palm of his hand and blew it. I firmly believe he will not be a New York Jet by the end of the season. 
And I would say next week. That's what I that's what I would say. But after Rob's press conference, clearly not the case. Um, it was depressing to watch. It looked like the post this post game conference was like it was like a hostage video made to scare the police. It was truly disheartening, scary, depressing. Any sad thing you can think of, it was that times 10. Speaking through gritted teeth, clearly devastated. His emotions are written all over his face, his face and he's clearly he clearly doesn't believe anything he's saying uh, based on his body language. It was it was pitiful. Um, he said, "Yeah, he's fine." When asked about if, well, not really in that tone. He said, yeah, he's fine. Just monotone. When asked about if Zach's shown enough to remain a starter. And then he said, this is what, this is what everybody's talking about. He said, right, Zach is the best player in the, um, and then long pause. And he says, he's who gives us the best chance to win. And then said, that's the cleanest answer I could give you. When I asked about the comment I previously said before. Clearly he's not confident. And either feels like there's zero our options other than him. Because they also asked if the other, his backup, Zach Wilson's backup, the third string originally, QB was going to get a shot. And he said no. Like quick, right off the, gu- right off the bat, like gun to his head, he said no. Um, or there's a higher up with a gun to his head. For real. This is like... I could honestly see Woody being like, no, we are not giving up at Zach Wilson. Don't say this and that. Going, overruling his judgment. Um, rough, man. Really, really rough. Really tough to watch. Um, I'm pretty upset about this op- outcome. The season's basically over. It's virtually impossible to make the playoffs after being 0-3. Um, they'd pretty much almost have to win every other game. It's not happening. It's not going to happen. Better luck next year, I guess. Um, I don't know what else to say. Cowboys versus Arizona. <sighs> the Diggs loss is obviously a big deal, but I didn't think it would have the effect of this magnitude. Obviously, it's not the complete reason why they lost, but uh, a lollipop game like this, and you just completely blow it, 28-16. to 16, Like, what is that? Especially, and it's completely the defense. Um, this is one you can't really blame on Dak. The offense actually holds up when you look at both offenses compared to get to compared against each other. Actually, we're pretty neck and neck. Total yards: Dallas had a 416 to Arizona's 400. Cowboys beat them 231 versus uh, 178 passing yards, and then but Arizona beat them 222 rushing yards to Dallas's 185. Average yards per play: Dallas had six, Arizona had eight. Uh, Dak had one interception. Both teams had two sacks. Third down efficiency. Dallas surprisingly, this is very surprising, actually beat them 56% to 50. Um, and their time was, possession was 34 minutes to Arizona's 25 minutes. So they had more efficiency on third down and also drew out the clock more and still lost. And just by looking at those stats, you'd think that the Cowboys would win, right? at least by a small margin, and that's obviously not the case. But to quote Mary Steenbergen in Step Brothers, what the fucking fuck? That pretty much sums it up.
Um, the last game today, I, I briefly just want to comment on it because I was watching it and I mentioned it a little bit before. Steelers versus the Raiders. I just want to state or say how overrated Jimmy G and Najee Harris are. It's ridiculous. And obviously, Jimmy G is not regarded as a top-tier quarterback. He's more like a middle-tier kind of guy, floats in the middle, dips both ways, has flashes of both. But I'm here to say he's the absolute bottom tier. I think he should... I think he's one of the worst quarterbacks in the league. Okay? He... I've never seen a quarterback more careless with the football ever. Um, ever. And especially this year, after I've seen it every time, he, he just he throws these lob passes directly to the other team. And it's not like a tip or he's throwing a deep ball and it's like, oh, it just is he gonna get it? And then it just the other team just swoops in like a Malcolm Butler or situation, or anything like that. There was literally today, he's in the pocket, no movement, right? He's coming back, there's some pressure, and he gets antsy, and he throws this bomb to Devontae Adams on the right side of the field when he's draped with two guys on him, and it was literally like the dude just backs up. It looked like Pickens out there. Dude just backs up and just catches it. Like there was no jumping, leaping, to either side trying to just get this thing no one-handed catch like Odell catch this dude just took a step back and just planted and just caught it like it was a punt um ridiculous and then he kind of just like doesn't even he looks like annoyed but he's not beating himself up about it as you'd want him to be and he just takes off his helmet and just goes back and he does the shit again. It's so it happens every time and it's ridiculous. And I'm sick of him being even a middle tier quarterback. He does not deserve the contract that he has. He's had what? He's had flashes. He's had flashes. He's never achieved anything. The last time he looked good was on the Patriots. And he's closer to a Carton Wentz career than a Tom Brady. Let's be honest, please. Jimmy G ain't it. Raiders, get him out of there, please. It's ridiculous. I'm sick of watching him. And now Najee Harris, he's also talked about one of the best ba- as one of the best backs in the league, especially this coming into this year. And this dude can't even buy a fucking first down. It's insane. He's slow, no explosiveness. Um, he's not dynamic, etc. He's got this dude gets nothing done. His backup Warren makes him look like a joke. He's got to always got to spring this step and just. Bounces that dude. Najee Harris, there was one play. Kenny Pickett was handing off to him. He literally waited a second and a half to two seconds like this. Just And I'm motioning, standing there with your arms like you're about to catch, or, or, uh, catch a handoff. He just stands there and then goes and runs into Kenny Pickett handoff and goes and just gets immediately tackled on... The line of scrimmage, it's ridiculous, it's insane, and it it's over, uh, rant's over, I can't, it's just, <laughs> I got, I got so mad watching that game, and it was all, it was just a close, it was a close game, uh, Raiders kind of rallied back in the fourth care- quarter a bit, but it was sloppy, it wasn't really entertaining, and 
it was ridiculous. It was depressing because I have Najee Harris on my fantasy team. I traded for him, and he shit the bed. So I was also upset about that. Next two games uh, to close out week three are Philly versus Tampa and the Rams and the Bengals. Um, first one is probably better than of the two. A hot da- a Tampa team versus a cold Eagles defense. Um, I'm actually pretty nervous about that. I think I mentioned before that the Eagles have to, <laughs> which they're not going to do, obviously, score like 40 points for me to actually win. Not going to do that, but I'm nervous they're going to completely shit the bed. Um, I think I had them in multiple leagues. I kind of just got stuck with them. But I also don't believe in Tampa at all long term. I don't really believe in Mayfield. I didn't love what I saw from him, regardless of what people say about him. Mike Evans is Mike Evans, and Chris Godwin's Chris Godwin, but he's also shaky-ish. Um, and, like, whatever. They got Rashad White, who's good. But I don't believe in them. I don't really believe in Mayfield. I wish him the best, but I don't totally believe in him. And that's going to be a tough game for them, regardless of how good they've been doing. Eagles are a good team. They had the best defense last year, arguably. Uh, at least top three, top two. Uh, and they lost a couple guys in the offseason, which dropped them down a peg, but they're still good. Uh, but we'll see what happens. Uh, that's the only game that I think is actually a little interesting I'm nervous about. Rams versus Bagels, Bengals is really only interesting, really, to see what Burrow actually plays like. He's been playing like shit. Um, and obviously, if he decides to play with this injury. Um, last week, he aggregated, aggravated his calf. Sorry, I'm like, I'm so tired. Um I personally agree, though, with the consensus that he really is hurt and has been continuously playing hurt, uh, playing with his injury the entire time. I just don't really... I I just never trust leg injuries in general, though. Um, Due to personal experience, I injured my MCL. No, I actually had a high ankle sprain first. High ankle sprain, and then after that, everything fell apart. And I feel like that's kind of how it goes. I later tore my meniscus and, like, um, still having ankle issues. Sprained my ankle two or three times after that. Not as bad, but still bad. And I feel like that's just how it goes with everybody. Somebody gets one injury. Like, take one Barkley. Um, gets injured last year, comes back, ankle injury. Uh, it just happens. It just I feel like once you injure, I think it's actually because you injure one part of your muscle in your leg, obviously you have to stay off that leg, then everything else also depletes, then you're you're strengthening this one part of your muscle a lot, that gets up to a certain level where you're okay, then you're doing back to the same movements where your other your other muscles in your leg and ligaments are used to being at this other level with when doing these movements, then you get hurt again, you injure this other part, and then you, you just have to build your whole leg up again, and it's a whole thing. Um, and then you feel like a decrepit old man. It sucks. So if I were you, if you're taking my advice, I recommend not playing him at all in fantasy this week. Or if you're someone like me who got offered Burrow in a trade today for Cousins, don't do it. Next, I want to talk about Giannis, but let's take a break first. So I've been hearing a tremendous amount of chirping about good old Giannis, and I wanted to comment. And before you 
click off and turn off this podcast. I promise I'm going to give you a different take than most people. But first, I want to respond to the original take. My first thought when all of this stuff blew up or whatever, and I looked a little more into it, obviously a million Instagram posts, tweets, headlines, all these different things, right? Podcasts. So my first thing was, why are we freaking out about this right now? Why? Um, and to give you some background, Giannis is eligible for a contract extension now after signing a max deal back in 2020 with the Bucks. Um, and people are losing their minds about the possibility of him leaving, obviously, because he gave some comments previously, which I mentioned on the podcast before, about how if the Bucks don't get any any big prospects that and don't look like they have a chance of really winning a title, he's going to go to a team where he feels like he d- can actually exercise that that uh, that goal. So obviously, a situation is a bit different than a Harden, LeBron, or Durant. So it's a little more respectable. It's similar to a Lillard, um, where he's put in all this time and with this one team. He's been with his whole team his entire career. He's actually had more success than Lillard. Um, so it makes sense, right? And he's every right to leave. I, I think, actually, if there really isn't any significant changes, I think he really will leave. Um, and Chris Middleton said that he doesn't act, he's not too, uh, he's not really worried about him actually leaving, but I think he should be. I mean, Chris Middleton is number two guy, hasn't played a full season at all since 2017, 2018. Um, I mean, he's 32. He's coming off a serious injury. We don't really know if he's going to be the same again. He played a few games last year, uh, small sample size, and it was all right. He, like, got, he, I think he averaged like 15, um, playing like 30 games or so. He's okay. Um, then his third man, Drew Holiday, who's a great defender, great on-ball defender, one of the best uh, defenders in the league, um, hasn't played more than 67 games since the same season, 2017, 2018, is also 33. Those are his two number two guys, or number two and number three guys, arguably both number two for when Middleton's out or when Drew Holiday's out. They're both that second banana. Um, and... It's tough. They're two fantastic players who have shown up in big games. Like Drew Holiday especially has has won them huge games, um, especially in the finals. He was that he was huge for them. Um, but they're also players who are in and out of the lineup, and you can't totally rely on them all the time. Um, and when fully strong, they have a great seven-man rotation. Uh, Giannis, Holiday, Milton, Lopez, Portis, Allen, and Crowder. That's a solid, solid seven-man rotation. Um, I mean, they were the number one seed last year. Obviously, they they have to be good. Um, but without any re- real moves coming up this this summer or even now before the trade the trade uh, trade deadline, excuse me, um, their future is pretty bleak. All their guys are older. Um, Lopez, Middleton, Holiday, all old. Lopez is thirty five. Um, Holiday is 33, and Curtis Middleton is 32. Those are all of your guys. And Lopez's career was pretty much done once, and that was like five years ago we thought he was done. Um, and now he's kind of in the boat of a DeMar DeRozan where you're like, okay, when when is this candle going to go out? Um, and same thing with Middleton. Middleton is kind of, I'm like, I don't know if I'm totally out on him, but I'm getting there. I'm really getting there. And I'm sure it's fun 
for Giannis to be the star, huge stat line, and receive that recognition. But after a while, you're going to be tired of putting in the whole team on your back, putting in all that work um, and not getting anywhere. They were the best team last year. He was up for MVP. Um, he wasn't at front runner, but there were points in the season, similar to like Anthony Davis when he went off for like a month or something like that, and people are talking about him. Giannis obviously did that for most of the year. Crazy stat lines, average an insane amount of points, um, rebounds, assists, all that stuff. And you're going to feel some resentment after that for sure. But let's also not forget that he's contractually obligated to play for the next two years. He will be a Milwaukee Buck for the next two years. Let's all get that. And I understand if he doesn't extend now, it could be a big inclination that his next move is going to be out of Milwaukee, right? But even if he doesn't extend right now, which I don't think he should, even if he is staying or not, he could still extend next summer. He still has the option. He has two full years still there, right? This isn't a big decision now, okay? He's going to be a Milwaukee Buck unless he's traded. And who knows? If he doesn't extend and he keeps giving out comments like this to the media about, oh, I might leave, I might leave, and all this different stuff, then yeah, he might be traded, and that's a separate thing, okay? But he's obligated to play for the Milwaukee Bucks for two years if not traded. So let's all just calm down. All just calm down, okay? This is not really the time to be freaking out about this. And obviously, we're all freaking out. I'm not, I'm not freaking out, but everybody else is freaking out because there's obviously really nothing else to talk about NBA-wise until media day, which I believe is in a week or so. So I get it. The well is dry. And we're picking for straws. But chill out. All right. There's two fucking years. Um, but I want to shed some light on the other side. And this is where my take is actually completely different than anybody else you're really going to hear. Is Giannis a good investment? That is the question. Okay. Is Giannis a good investment? Giannis is a tremendous player. We all know that. He is one of the best the NBA has ever seen, ever. But right now, he's in his clear prime years, okay? And usually, this catches on around 25, 26, and lasts until around 30, 31, 32, and that's kind of it, okay? Then you sort of dwindle off. And to prove this point, there are several big name references. So I got three people right here where I'm going to break it down for you show you how this through history people in all different eras this has happened to okay i mean this is kind of a known fact but i want to give you some give you some statistics and stuff like that to actually prove my point okay so kevin garnett number one from 25 to 30 averages around 24 21 to 24 points 12.7 and 39.9 rebounds leading the league four times rebounds hits 31 immediately drops four points, three three rebounds in five games and continuously gets worse. Scotty Pippen, Scotty Pippen, excuse me, can't talk today, too much coffee. Uh, Peaks at 94 at age 28, 22 points per game, 8.7 rebounds, five assists, 2.9 steals. 95 averages 21 points per game, eight rebounds, 
five assists, and 2.9 steals a, steals a game, leading the league, and played 79 games. 1996, averaging 19.4 points per game, six rebounds, 5.9 assists, and 1.7 steals, 77 games per year for the whole year. 1997, averages 20 points per game, six rebounds, 5.7 assists, and 1.9 steals, plays a full season, 82 games. 98, averages 19 points per game, five rebounds, five assists, 1.8 steals, and plays 44 games the entire year. Then 99, at age 32, he immediately drops five points and plays 50 games. Once 30 hit, his durability dropped dramatically, and his stats suffered for it too. Literally dropped pretty much half the season, cut off 44 games. Now, obviously, when 99, 98, Jordan leaves, he retires, and he changes teams. And obviously, that brings up stuff too, and then I'll bring up stuff with the next um, guy we have. But he was on, I think he went to Houston first, and then he went to Portland. Then he was on Portland for a little while, a couple years. Still same thing. Dog shit. Dropped considerably, and his durability was never the same. James Harden, number three. Three amazing seasons in a row. Absolute peak, leading in the league in scoring all three years. Um, and when you look at his whole, his entire career history, it's like the, it's right out of a picture book, right? It's the complete climb, 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 peak, climax, and decline, 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 decline. It's like textbook, right? So 2017-2018, at age 28, he averaged 30 points per game, 8.8 assists, 5 rebounds, 1.8 steals, and played 72 games. Killer. 2018-2019, beats that. 36 points per game, 7.5 assists, 6.6 rebounds, 2 steals, and played 78 games. Then 2019-2020, 34 points per game, 7.5 assists, 6.6 rebounds, 1.8 steals, and played 68 games. Then at age 31, during his newfound home in Brooklyn and then in Philly, his stats and durability took a tremendous hit. Playing in a total of 44 games in the 2020-2021 season, averaging 24 points per game, 10.8 assists, 7.9 boards. Sounds good, right? You'd want any player on your team averaging that. It's not a bad stat line. Obviously, it's still a, a a massive hit in terms of points from the past three years, but it's still fantastic. He was still an all-star, but such a small sample size. Right? It's 44 games. It's basically half the season. Three more games than half the season. Not that not, not a big sample size at all. Can't really pay attention to it. Then, 2021-2022 season, he plays 65 full games, averaging 2020 or 22 points per game. Excuse me, 10 assists and seven boards, and then playing 58 games last season while averaging 21 points per game, 10 assists and six boards. And it happens to the majority of players, and it's usually during the same age range. Every time. I mean, James Harden too, Scottie Pippen, Kevin Garnett, all for real Hall of Famers to most people. I know I gave a, a extensive argument about James Harden possibly not being an all-star or a, a real Hall of Famer in my book, 
But in everybody else's book, I'm sure you're going to put him in the Hall of Fame. Um, all three of these guys, Hall of Famers. So, and it happens to, happened to each one of them. Right when they hit 30, 31, 32, all dropped tremendously. I'm not saying they don't have a huge impact on the team still. Their role just changed. They dropped the peg, and they're not as good. I mean, Kevin Garnett and James Harden are the perfect, perfect examples of that. Scottie Pippen, not so much. Um, he didn't really do as much when he went to Houston and went to, to Portland. But Kevin Garnett, I mean, that's when he starts to drop off is his Celtic years. He kills it in Minnesota. And granted, that's he took more of a Chris Bosh role, kind of, where he has to sacrifice his game a bit because he's got Paul Pierce and Ray Allen and then Rondo, too. Rondo's obviously not like a scorer or anything like that. He's a distributor, but got Paul Pierce and Ray Allen right there, too. And he was more of the defensive kind of guy, um, leader, things like that. Still, James Harden, same sort of thing. Not a leader or a defensive guy like that, but still a, a huge part of his team. Um, and this, he doesn't have that excuse as much. He is the number two guy on Philly with Joel Embiid and still shits the bed um, and plays only 58 games. What the fuck? Um, Brooklyn, I get it, weird kind of mix, but he had his point. I mean, Kyrie and Durant were out there too. And he was by himself playing. Or when Kyrie is completely out and he's just KD, he's number two. He had his moments to shine. And he shined, but he also didn't really play that much. And when he did shine, his numbers for the whole year were a lot lower than when he was playing basically full seasons. So he has a small sample size right here. And it's still dramatically less than when he did when he basically played almost full seasons for those three years. 72 games, 78 games, and 68 games. 68 games is still not that great, but way, <laughs> a lot more than the other two. So three huge players, three Hall of Famers in most people's books. Most people's book, excuse me. And 31, 30, 32 age range, both dramatically takes a hit. And he wasn't even an all-star last year, James Harden. Um but there's only two types of players where this doesn't apply to, right? Absolute superstars, just the best of the best. No doubt has an argument, top 10 of all time, right? This is Steph, this is KD, this is MJ, this is Kobe. All don't really decline. Um, or they decline in certain attributes, but still shine in others. Um, like Steph is not going to be as quick. KD's not going to be as quick. MJ's not going to be as quick. MJ you can still put in this other camp as well. But... Not be as quick, but they still have these other attributes in their game where they're still um, the best of the best, right? Then you also have players who adapt. You got Brooke Lopez, you got LeBron, you got Ray Allen. Perfect examples. Um, LeBron is a little tougher because he's obviously slowed down quite a bit. His durability has taken a major hit, which is something people don't usually talk about. But he's also developed a little bit of a jump shot. He's not great. He's not a great three-point shooter. But now he can back down a little bit and give you a, a turnaround, uh, turnaround J. Or he can hit that triple. Where his years on Miami or Cleveland, he's not shooting for shit. Um, and MJ, you can also put in this camp, now that I think about it. He obviously was a slasher, high flyer. Um, he'd still hit jumpers here and there, but there, he's more of like a shot creator. But he also adapted his game. I mean, 96 comes back. He's a shooter. Uh, he's not like a Steph sort of shooter, but he's making his shots. He's a creator. 
uh, mid-range kind of guy, a lot of fadeaways, things like that, where in the beginning of his career, he's really like driving to the hole, making acrobatic finishes. Um, it's just different. And Ray Allen and Brooke Lopez are the absolute prime examples of players who adapt. Two, Ray Allen was a slasher, hardcore slasher when he got drafted, beginning of his career, completely changed, one of the best shooters ever. Brooke Lopez, back to the basket, kind of center, um, rebounder, defender, big body, punish you under the paint, fizzled out. A couple years there where you're like, is Brooke Lopez still in the league? Comes back. Probably one of the best big shooters ever. Um, pulling up, if, if four pointers were in the NBA, like he'd be the guy. He pulls up deep and can hit repeatedly. Also, a fantastic defender. Now, I'm not so sure Giannis is going to be any of these types of players. He's currently 28, he'll be 29 in December. And he's most likely currently closing out his prime years, as we've seen, right? And he's got two years left in the Bucks, which means unless he's traded, he'll be 30 damn near 31 when he reaches his next team. His stats are bonkers. His work ethic and attitude is any GM's wet dream. We all know that. Clear as day. But his durability has gotten worse and worse. And I haven't heard one person bring this up when talking about Giannis. 2013-2014, rookie year, 77 games. 2014-2015, 81 games. 2015-2016, 80 games. 2016-2017, 80 games. 2017, 2018, 75 games. 2018, 2019, 72 games. 2019, 2020, 63 games. Big hit. 2020, 2021, 61 games. 2021, 2022, 67 games. 2022, 2023. Sorry, I'm starting not to be able to talk. 63 games. Two games off his career low last year. And his game style doesn't help him or his genetics don't help him at all when trying to adapt. He's a seven-foot mobile slasher who can constantly bang his down below, and he he reminds me of John Morant, where John Morant's a high flyer slasher who just will go at you and have all these acrobatic moves. And every time he falls, you're like, "Oh shit!" Now Giannis is not exactly the same, where he's not making all these crazy acrobatic moves. He's a lot more rigid and kept together, but he's still banging down low and brushing up into centers and big guys and falling obviously he gets hurt and all these different things you can tell he's not playing as much um and this is only his game style is only gonna make his durability even worse this is these are prime years where he's dropping right he's 28 lat he's 28 this past year so 28 27 26 25 when he's 25 is when he took that nine-game hit from 72 games to 63 games, and he hasn't broken 67 games since. So he's 25, which is really when his prime is supposed to start, when he's supposed to hit that, that next level, that top level, which you can make an argument he hit even before that and has had a good run, which only makes it worse. It only proves my point more, right? 63 games last year. Um... His speed is going to start to take a hit even more. It, I'm sure there he has. Um, he's gonna, it's going to take a hit, and that's where his game's going to hit a wall. He's obviously not the fastest guy ever, 
but he's quick off the rip. That first step is quick around the rim or when he catches it like 15 feet out, whatever, face towards his basket, jab, make a move, goes past some guy. That's going to take a hit, and that's pretty much his entire game. He, and in, in today's game, in order to adapt, you either need to be shooter or a lockdown defender, preferably in the low post, which he's got the body for that to a degree, but he's also a lot thinner and would probably get absolutely bodied by any big, right? There are certain, certain guys he can hang around with there, but real big guys, real big centers, bottom of the uh, basket. Like Andre Drummond in his prime would absolutely murder him. Or uh, a Harold on the Clippers, right? I don't even know what team he's on now. I think he got moved again. Um, or Carl Anthony Towns. Like, these guys are going to back you up and dunk on you. Um, but shooting-wise, in order to adapt, it'd be better if he already had some sort of jump shot and make you feel better about him adapting in that sort of way. But he's got a seven-foot wingspan, massive, massive hands, two things that hinder you from shooting to begin with. We all know that from centers who are terrible at free-throw shooters, like Shaq, big, thing, big people like that. Terrible free-throw shooters, Dwight Howard. Terrible shooters in general, Rudy Gobert. All these people who have a massive wingspan, huge hands, are just weird. They can't shoot. The ball is too small. It, they can't do it, especially with people on them. And there's obviously some exceptions. Exceptions, KD really being the major one. Uh, a Jokic um, who can like surprisingly shoot, but that's not his forte. Um, obviously, Brooke Lopez. KD's really the biggest one because KD kind of matches up. Uh, body type, body type wise, the best. But in order for Giannis to be a shooter, he should have started this three years ago, right? That's his only way. Honestly, he's his because his stats are so god awful, like so god awful that he really has no shot unless he started three years ago. He can't really make it up in terms of to match it up well. Where his body with his his body is going to progress worse than his shot gets better if that makes any sense so this past season zero to three feet he shot 79 percent fantastic three to ten feet immediately drops 40 plus percent 35 percent from three to ten feet he shoots 35 percent 10 to 16 feet 35 percent and 16 to the three-point line 35 percent then three-point percentage 27 percent long way to go if he's going to adopt adapt in today's game no doubt um and it sucks it sucks uh he is a freak athlete shakes the nba up i love watching him play i love having his presence in the nba and i i just don't think he's gonna last um i hope i'm wrong but i don't think he's gonna last i predict that by 31 he's gonna drop down a peg similar to james um where he's still good, he's gonna have a lot more nagging injuries, um, and then I think he's gonna fade out around 35, 34, 35, and I think he's done, and I think that's the end of his career. Um, he has zero jump shot, doesn't look like he's gaining any sort of uh, help in that department. There's no real 
lineage in past years where it's like, okay, he's steadily improving, where he's getting to like an okay number. Um, his, his, his shit's got awful. He's got no real handle to where he could even make moves like a KD or something like that. Cause that's who I feel like the game style, he'd really have to adapt unless he's just going to be a, a big low post guy. And in order for that, I feel like he'd really have to put on some weight, but then I also could, uh, make his injuries even worse. Hopefully I'm wrong. Hopefully he can adapt in some way. That's my take. I think I think he's going to fizzle out, and I don't think he's a good investment. If I were a GM and you could trade me him now, great. I don't, I'm not going to give up the best player I have, depending on who it is. Wouldn't do that, but I would take him. If I gave up some valuable picks, maybe, um, maybe a second banana type guy, for sure, I'd take him now. But two years from now, I don't know, man. I I, I don't think I would do it. Not I. And just like that, that's the end of the pod. A lot of things talked about today. Only two segments I know. I hope you guys enjoyed. Let me know what you think on all socials. And have a good day. I'll see you in the next one.